Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode. We uh, are recording a few weeks in advance to give our blog writers an opportunity to be able to have time to to write the blogs, but this is our first opportunity since the Battle of the Boot, LSU versus Arkansas, to, to let the boot camp world know on the podcast Bob did make good on the annual wager that we have. Uh, I tried to get Bob to wear the pajama top in the airport, but... I gave it to him in the restaurant where we had lunch at the airport and he would not wear it there, but he did wear it at the house and we have a good picture on social media and we'll make sure it's in the show notes as well for you. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to document that. And I think the the restaurant, I was already about to eat my food when you blitzed in from being late for some reason. And so I just want to, to let the record show we, we were sitting down and already eating. And at least I was about to eat. And then you handed me the the t-shirt, the pajama top in a bag. So, and then we had to scoot to get to our next flight. So that's, you know, our travels, Jimbo, we've been all over the world recently and we're about to wrap up our final travels. I think in, in interestingly enough, we, you and I've had several trips in partnership. We've been doing some things together, which has been fun. And so it's always good to connect. And sometimes you never know who you're going to meet in the airport. And I met Jimbo with pajama top. So there you go. There we go. Hey, speaking of our blog writers and making things uh, as easy as we can for them, we have been so blessed and excited to have a regular blog going on with the podcast. And we just finished our four-part series written by Bobby B., Bob Bickford on the four stages of replanting. And one of our illustrious blog writers, Caleb Duncan, uh, is a uh, associational missional strategist, director of missions, whatever title that, that you just depends on who you're asking, what his title is in the panhandle of Florida. He had a good suggestion for a follow-up, Bob. And so, Caleb, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. And yeah, in the very rural area of Florida, I go by lots of different names. <laughs> so associational mission strategist is not one that a lot of people uh, know around here, maybe a couple, but Last time I got up to preach at one of our small churches, I was introduced as the director missionary of associational missions. So that's, that was a brand new one. I liked it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I've yeah. heard area missionary too. I've heard that Yeah, before. area missionary. Yeah. There's a lot of different names, I think. <laughs> Does somebody ever, has somebody ever just put it all together and just called you the dome or the doma? Anybody's ever said that when they introduced you? Not that yet, but I'm sure it's coming. A lot of them have come out of the blue. So older DOMs will will go by Dome, and then sometimes they'll make the joke that DOM stands for Dumb Old Man. I've heard that from a few. I have heard that as well. So that that is one that I have heard. I think I think mostly though it's hard for people to figure out with me because I'm like you know 28 years old now, and whenever people look at me, they're like, "You're not the kind of DOM that yeah. I guess that I know from back home. Like you don't do the same thing that they do, do you?" And I'm like, "Well." you know, what did they do? So <laughs> there's, there's a, you know, when people look at me, they're like, I don't, you're not a DOM because I think there's that, that idea that DOMs are kind of, you know, retired pastors who are kind of, you know, offering advice and counsel to, you know, churches in a variety of situations. And I'm just not that guy too. So <laughs> it's been, it's been a little bit weird, but it's been a joy. Absolutely a joy. Man, we love our AMSs. 
or DOMs, which whatever term they're going by, because you guys play such an important role in helping churches be strategic about their ministry and their context. And so, man, it's awesome. And, and you might be one of the youngest DOMs that we have across North America. So, man, I'm just glad you're doing what you're doing. Well, in the interview process, it was funny. You know, they wanted to know, you know, what would I be doing to, to help serve the churches? And they wanted to hear kind of my vision for things. And I told them, I'm not the one that can sit down with you and talk about you know, finances or go through conflict resolution. Those are things that I have to learn. And I said, but, you know, I can be a friend, I can be a prayer partner, and I can encourage you in the Great Commission. You know, those are the three things that I think are important for me to, to try to do. So as a young guy and in, in kind of what we're talking about in the podcast today, I feel like I'm much on the, the receiving end of um, leadership development from our pastors. And I really enjoy that. So Awesome. So speaking of why we have you on the podcast today, you brought a great addition to Bob's four stages of replanting that we just finished harvesting. Talk to us a little bit about what you're thinking when you talk about this fifth stage of harvesting. Yeah, so I would say after we're focused on the growing stage where we're, we're see, seeing a lot of spiritual growth you know, in the congregation and in different avenues. What we really need to be doing after that is trying to identify leaders out of that congregation and seek to train them and utilize them as soon as we can. And so the definition, I think that kind of fits what harvesting might be is, is the process of identifying, training, and utilizing leaders from your congregation to assist and carry on the work of the ministry. So as spiritual growth occurs, you know, leaders are they're actively engaged in trying to intentionally disciple and raise up new leaders from out of the congregation. Such a great I thought there in terms of, you know, harvesting typically in my experience has always just been the harvest of souls, yeah. right? The harvest of people coming to, to know Christ, which is, which is part of the harvest, right? But you, you particularly thought about like harvesting leaders from the congregation to come up and, and to continue the missional work. So as you think through that biblically, you you have suggested a couple of ideas where you, you think through leaders that, you know, from a biblical perspective that came up through the church and now are involved and engaged in the ministry. Can you walk us through a couple of those, those scenarios where you see leaders? Because that's the number one thing I hear pastors talking about is uh, not number one necessarily, but it's in the top five, man, we just got to have more leaders. Like I just got to have more leaders. So walk us through some of your thoughts there in terms of harvesting leaders for the work of mission. Yeah. So I think that in the example that you use, Bob, with Paul and Apollos in First Corinthians 3 that are mentioned by, you know, they're planting and their Apollos is watering. And we talked about that in stage three and a little bit in stage four, too. And then, you know, you pulled out Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28, where we see Apollos doing the work of ministry. And I think that in that story is a great example of what identifying and training a leader looks like, because I mean, we think about Apollos, um, I really think of him as a as a natural leader. You know, the scriptures say that he was he was competent in the scriptures, so he spoke and he taught with accuracy. It also says there in verse twenty five and twenty six that he was you know, fervent in spirit. So Apollos was you know, speaking boldly about the things of God. And then verse 27 talks about how he was just greatly useful to the ministry. And so what happens with Apollos, though, is that he knows the scriptures, but he doesn't know them to their full completion, right? He, he knows sections of them. He knows the baptism of John. And so he's talking about sin and repentance and 
trying to encourage people to turn from their sin, but he's missing something. Then we see this picture of Priscilla and Aquila, who actually they see and they recognize what Apollos is doing and they identify him as a leader. And then they pull him aside and they're teaching him more accurately the, the way of the Lord, the things of God. And then they, they, they send Apollos back out to continue the work of ministry. So I think that if we were using kind of the example that you've used of Paul and Apollos, I think Apollos would be a great example of a leader who was developed. But I think even further than that, we think about the life of Jesus. And Jesus pulled aside 12 disciples to follow him. He was going to make them fishers of men. He spent three years, every moment with these disciples. And we kind of see this picture of Jesus's ministry. But what Jesus does is he pulls out three leaders out of those 12 disciples. He brings out Peter and James and John. And we see these different pictures, especially in the book of Mark, but really in all over the gospels where Jesus pulls them aside so that they can watch him do the work of ministry. So there's the healing of Peter's mother-in-law and the healing of Jairus's daughter, where the Bible says that Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him so that they could see the work of ministry unfold. And then in the Mount of Transfiguration, they're able to see some of the things that does, that the rest of the disciples are not able to see. So Jesus pulls them aside to the Mount of on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then lastly, there's this picture of the Garden of Gethsemane. All the disciples are with Jesus in the garden, but when Jesus goes to pray, he pulls those three disciples with him and they can watch. So what I'm thinking of is how, yes, Jesus discipled and poured into all the disciples, but he especially did so with Peter, James, and John. And just to kind of bring that to a conclusion, I think that it's clear, you know, the reason why. And when you open the book of Acts, the only three of the original 12 disciples that are mentioned by name and that are doing the work of ministry and our leaders in the early church are Peter, James, and John. And so Jesus sought to do that. You know, how much more so do we, you know, really seek to identify the leaders to carry on the work of ministry after we're gone? Such a good word, man. I, I love how well you have laid that out biblically. And one of the greatest joys I have, I think, in ministry is when I have the opportunity to develop leaders. And I struggled at first because I would develop leaders in my little church and then they would get pulled from a larger church because mm -hmm. I couldn't pay them. And at, at, at first that really bothered me. But then I realized, man, what a, what a gift that I get to be a part of their story and I get to be a part of seeing that happen. And I think one of the mistakes I see smaller churches like Replants make sometimes is we think, oh, we got to wait till we're big enough to develop leaders, we, you know, to focus on leadership development. And man, this ties to so much of what we talk about here on the podcast about the importance of shared leadership and that the CEO model of pastor is not biblical and it doesn't work. And so as a pastor, man, one of the things you have to be working on is, is developing leaders. I mean, it's Ephesians 4, you know, 11, equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. And, and so I'm just grateful for this addition to the four stages of replanting for what it brings to us. What are some practical ways that we could identify as we think about this as a guy's listening to this, if he wants to start identifying developing leaders, knowing that a pastor has a responsibility to make disciples, he has a, a responsibility to shepherd, he has a responsibility to engage the community, and he has a responsibility to develop leaders. How do you identify leaders? I think that one of the, the first ways that we can do that is that while we're while we're doing and starting the work of ministry in our churches, we're always keeping our eyes open. But we want to see and recognize who are the people who it seems like the church members gravitate around. Who go, they go to them for questions. They look to them for for answers on different issues going on in the church. There's a reason why 
church members gravitate towards that. And I will say too, a leader is not always an extrovert. It's not always a person who just speaks the most. Edward. Um, there's a guy who's involved in my connect group at church right now, and he's he's very, very quiet, but I really uh, respect him and brought him onto our church development team. And he's also another younger guy, uh, but he's an engineer here in our community, and he's on our church development team at the association. And we call it, we all call him Young Richie because his dad's name is Richard as well. But he um, will go and sit in on a meeting with the church and talk about different issues that we're seeing and some options that they can do to replant. And he's the quietest one in the room. But when it's his turn to speak, he always says something profound and super observant that nobody else thought of. And I've noticed that a lot of people, when they start thinking of, you know, financial questions, they'll start going to him. And I love that, you know, so we keep our eyes open to see, you know, new leaders and see which ones kind of emerge out of that congregation that we can pull aside and begin to intentionally spend time with. And that's the second thing I think, you know, we spend time personally with those individuals. We um, take every moment that we can to bring them uh, alongside of us and to see the way that we do ministry. I think another thing is that we give them opportunities to to model the example that we're setting. So if I'm doing some kind of ministry work, especially if you're a replant pastor or, re or revitalization pastor and you're working inside of a church and you're going out into the community to knock on doors and pray for people and get to know your community, you take those leaders along with you. And you let them see the way that you interact with other people. I think lastly, you know, just and Bobby, if you wanted to add on to this, I, I think that, you know, you, you, you delegate responsibility to them with oversight and you just allow them to carry on some work and then you watch and give correction if needed. I think those are just some practical ways to identify and develop people. And I love that list. I especially love how you describe young Richie. And here's an observation, Jimbo. In the South, you can get a nickname that has nothing to do with you actually, right? Like young Richie's probably not young, but they call him young Richie because he's Richie Jr. <laughs> when he was, he was probably like he was young when they met him 25 years yeah. ago. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, he's young right now, but, but I've, I've, I've said young Richie to so many people that I feel like yeah. uh, that name's going to carry on. So. Yeah. What I love about the way you describe him is you have seen him in several different situations exhibit the character and wisdom that qualify him as a competent leader. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that's so important for replanters and, and leaders, AMSs, anyone, is watching somebody. And I think you said this, you, get, you have to watch them over time, right, mm -hmm. to understand who they are and what they're about. And in some replants I've seen where, where I've walked in, everybody goes to responds to a particular individual who's a leader, but they might not be a leader that has a lot of character, mm -hmm. but they're a controlling leader or they're an influential leader. And so that's one of the things I, I think is so important is just looking at the lay of the land, who's volunteering, who's leading, and choosing the leaders that demonstrate Christ-like character and the fruit of the Spirit who are there, and there are some there, but they, like you said, they may not be an extrovert. Most of us, I think, Jimbo, most of our team is an extrovert, and surprisingly, Mark Clifton, who's the leader of the replant team, he is not an extrovert. He is an introvert, and people don't understand that. But when he gets on the stage, man, the lights go on, and he's like this incredible, mm -hmm. dynamic uh, speaker. But off the stage, man, he is like... Give him a chair in a corner or a, a private room where he just has to go and recharge. So I love the fact that you've just highlighted the fact that great leaders don't have to be extroverts and, and we need all kinds of personalities and types that to help lead the church. 
One thing I would say is as you're thinking about the harvest and you're thinking about leaders, and this may be a little counterintuitive, but I would wait to give leadership responsibility to someone until I have disagreed with them about something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what will happen is is I can go for months, maybe even years, being on the same page with a really dynamic leader who could be an extrovert or could be an introvert, but we have a disagreement and we can't handle that disagreement and resolve and move forward, then what's happened is is I've uncovered something that maybe months and years later is going to be more detrimental. So, you know, I, I think Jesus was always testing his disciples and was always giving them responsibility and ministry obligations and then watching to see how they would do. You know, James and John wanted to call, call fire down on people when people didn't respond the way they Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. Judith was like ciphering. Judas was ciphering off the cash over in the corner. You know, Thomas, you know, who just, I mean, think about the, think about the team that he put together. And most of us probably would never looked at him or hired those guys. Right. But Jesus brings them together. And then the scriptures give us this indication. And here's one thing I would say is leaders aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, man, we keep that in mind as you're, as you're developing a leadership team out of the harvest of, of what God brings to you. Just remember that, that leaders are not perfect and they're going to make mistakes. And so grant grace and then move towards them with, with gentle biblical instruction and encouragement. I think that's a very good insight as uh, definitely going in the blog, by the way. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And and I would say, you know, I I've been in I've been in relationships before where some men of God have really, I mean, really poured their life and soul into me. And I would say on the, the, the discipleship end of things, teaching me how to follow Christ. Well, what's going on right now is as a young AMS leader, I'm surrounded by. I mean, we have probably the smallest. Baptist Association in the state of Florida, right? We have 15 churches. There might be one or two smaller than that, but we have a, we have it small. So I've got 15 pastors and they're some of the best pastors in the panhandle hmm. and they pour their life and soul into me and tr- are trying to develop me as a leader. And I recognize that and see that. And so, hmm. you know, I'm like, I'm trying to be the one to, you know, encourage them and pray for them and be with them. But really leadership works both ways, because even as you seek to develop leaders, you learn a lot about yourself in the process. And I recognize my pastor right now at, at First Chipley, his name is Mike Orr, and he is just pouring into me. He, it's a different type of discipleship where he's not just teaching me how to follow Christ, but he's trying to develop me as a leader. And so, you know, I recognize some of those things and see the influence of it in my own life. And I get convicted about ways that I'm leading and need to learn how to lead better. So I feel very much on the receiving end of that that leadership development. Yeah, I think one of the important things to keep in mind in leadership development is we're not doing this ultimately in order to use people to accomplish our to-do list. Right. If you go into leadership development with the mindset of, oh, this is going to help me get so much more done, then you're probably going to miss the gold of what leadership development is really about. It's about developing leaders, which sounds obvious because that's what we just said. Mm-hmm. But we easily fall into the trap of what I call delegate and dump, where once they show any amount of competency, we just go, okay, here, do these 10 things. And then we just, 
that's we just assign them to 10 things and walk away and we think that that's leadership development that's not leadership development that's i mean if if you need somebody to help you do things then call it what it is and you need help getting things done and there's nothing wrong with that and that can be incorporated into leadership development but if we get confused and we just assume that that's what leadership development is is the or even the purpose of leadership development is just to get more things done then we'll get really frustrated when things aren't done right yeah we'll get really frustrated when they require more attention to leadership development will cost you time. It will cost you resources. It, this is not free volunteer labor. This is this is a an opportunity to invest into somebody. And I think you just have to keep that in mind, or else you might get impatient. And real, you just got to realize that different people are in different stages. I would call you back to an episode we did with Bob Bumgarner a while back called "Situational Leadership," mm-hmm. which situational leadership situational leadership talks about developing leaders and and understanding kind of what stage of development they're in and how each stage requires a little bit different levels of attention or encouragement or resourcing. And knowing that your goal is not to produce tasks being done, your goal is to develop a leader. And just keeping that in mind, I think is really important. That's great. I think one thing to Jimbo to keep in mind as you're developing leaders, it's we, there, there's a lot of temptation to find the leadership class or development process. It's more of a static, like it's okay, do these five lessons and do these things. No, there's, there's a lot of value in that because there are a lot of us that would benefit from, okay, what are, how are we going to develop leaders? What are the things we need to do? And so there's competencies and qualifications and characteristics and all those things. So we need outside individuals. But I think the, the other thing that we're going to have to to look at is every leader that's developed develops at a different pace. And they also have different areas of their life that need to be specifically addressed in terms of just their own personal development. Like you can train them in a skill, but there may be some character issues or there may be some family of origin issues. There may be some perspective and personality issues, right? So if you've got an enthusiastic leader who's like every meeting, this is going to be the best and the greatest and the most awesomest thing, right? Well, and people get tired from that, like, because if everything is awesome, nothing is awesome. And then if you've got the Eeyore melancholy type personality, who's a leader, you know, they, they may be motivated by negative, like, look how bad this thing is. We've got to work hard to make it better, right? So that's what they, so the, you've got to help leaders think about those kinds of things, as well as the, the biblical competencies and the organizational competencies and those sorts of things. And so I think as much as it can be standardized, it also has to be customized. Yeah. And thinking of the gospel metaphor, you know, when Jesus had gospel conversations with different individuals, he started where they were and had an understanding of their background. So you think of the woman of the well, right? Where did, where did he start with her? I uh, think of Nicodemus. Where did he start with Nicodemus? You know, all sorts of, sort of things in, in Christ's life show us that Jesus met people where they were, not so that they could stay where they are, but so that they could be transformed by who he was. And I think that's really important part of leadership development and helps us think through this harvest idea as well. Yeah. Character matters a lot more than competency. Mm-hmm. And we can't, yeah. we can't miss that. Don't be distracted by the guy. I love that you talked about the extroverted versus introverted. Don't be distracted by the guy who uh, is a really good public speaker, but it's just kind of a jerk. Don't, don't waste your time on that guy. I mean, I, look, man, I, I've gotten to the point in my life where, like, if I have that guy and he wants me to develop him, I'm going to do everything I can to humble him because that's what he needs. That's, I mean, yeah. it's, and I know, I know a lot about it because I was that guy and some people had to humble me. You know, when I think about this topic and I know that 
if you're involved in a replant or a revitalization, it's sometimes it's hard to look around and try to identify leaders, especially in a, you know, if there's a congregation that has seven or eight people left. But I think that, you know, before a church goes outside of their congregation to hire someone and bring somebody in to be an extra pastor or an extra leader, I still think that it's a priority that we look inside first and try to develop those leaders from within because you've built trust with the congregation. I think that you know, when you think about leaders inside of the congregation, sometimes that could be hard to identify. So I would say still try to identify a few leaders, at least if they are not going to be you know, a next pastor or ministry leader, they can, they can at least be developed into some other kind of leadership role. But we have to be doing that because the point is, you know, what happens if you fall ill or you die or you move on to another assignment that God's called you to? What happens if, you know, uh, your associational leader is gone? And what happens to the church who's involved in a replant if you've not developed any leaders to follow up in your place? And I think that that's a something that we just need to consider. Like we, we have to be able to put someone in our places for when we leave, because the goal really is, I mean, we, just as disciples are making disciples, like leaders should be developing leaders. And if we don't do that, we're missing out on the blessing of, I think not just the blessing of obeying the Lord, but the blessing of seeing the joy of a multiplying congregation and seeing one that gets on fire for the Lord and is following the leadership of those who have been developed in, in a godly way. Man, this is great. Bob, uh, do you give your stamp of approval to officially add this as uh, a next stage of replanting? Absolutely. Stamp of approval granted. That's John. awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Caleb, thanks for being on with us today. Thanks for adding a fifth stage of replanting. And thanks for being an awesome volunteer blog writer. I'm still waiting on my hat, by the way. Oh, dude, we got to get it. We'll get you one. <laughs> nah, I enjoy it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.